Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Hockey, yeah, yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. Hey, welcome to Judd's Hockey Show. Zolgad and Declan Goff. Uh, thanks for all of you who are tuning into the podcast. Thanks for all of you who are uh, sticking around on Score North on 1500 to listen to us. And uh, Declan, let's start here. The Wild will close a 10-game four-game West Coast road trip uh, tonight, and we're recording this on Tuesday against the feeble LA Kings in Los Angeles. Now, what makes this trip so far intriguing is that in typical Furious Rallies fashion, they go in and play a team like the Ducks or the Sharks uh, or the Coyotes, and they fall behind. Mm -hmm. And you say to yourself, well, this is not a very good hockey team. They're not coming back. And, in, well, heck, in all three cases, they have rallied very furiously. In two of those cases, they have, I believe, come back from two goal deficits to win. What is your reaction to the Wilds' play, which I would guess you could probably sum up best as the cardiac kids in these past three games? Well, I know we briefly touched on the San Jose game the last time you and I recorded on a quick episode uh, at, at the end of last week, but... You know, the Sharks game was a little confusing just because I, I, I personally believe San Jose is a little bit better than their record indicates, um, and at least they have the offensive firepower to, to be a, a very good hockey team. Uh, but that one was, was just crazy to me because they were beaten to a pulp through 40 minutes. I mean, 6-2 to two was, was the score going into the third. Yep. And then all of a sudden in the third period, they, just, they wake up and, and, and they get some big-time goals. And I don't understand it. Ryan Donato gets a big goal, and now he's stringing together some good performances. But this is this is kind of who the Wild have been. Whether it's been under Bruce Boudreaux, Mike Yo, John Torchetti, this is a common theme. And you know, I know we've talked about is Bruce Boudreaux putting the Wild not in a bad position, but in a in a more difficult position to tank and get a draft lottery spot just because he's a very good coach and he can milk wins and he's done this throughout the course of his career. Yep. So part of me wants to think, well, you know, maybe it is good coaching by Bruce Boudreaux. And at the end, the other side of me is says, "Well, this is just this is who the Wild are. They they do this. They they tease you. They think they're going to come back and turn the season around, and and then they they either fall just short of that, or they give you just enough to linger you back into the next game." So let's see here, the Sharks, uh, who as you said took a substantial lead in the game against the Wild in the six uh, two game that the Wild then came back, and if Zach Parisi can lift that puck, the Wild actually right. ties that game. The Sharks. Are, are as we record this second to last in the Pacific Conference with 15 points, goal differential plus minus of minus 16. The Ducks are 
uh, four points ahead of the Sharks in the conference at a minus two. Now, the Coyotes are plus nine and have, have been good. The point being, though, is the other thing that I can't get my head around so far about this road trip is they're not exactly playing good teams. The Kings are, are at the bottom of the Pacific. The Kings are actually uh, two points south of what the Wild is at going into the game in Los Angeles on Tuesday night. They're at 13 points. The Kings are at 11 points. The Kings are a goal differential of minus 23. So, yeah, I can't decide if this is a case of the Wild starting to really improve if they're playing leaky teams. But your Boudreaux point to me is interesting because the one thing, and we all agree, agree, Bruce can coach. Bruce is a really good coach. So the one intriguing thing, too, is, I want Bruce to be part of this because I think w- when you start to come out of this, perhaps next year, you know, with Kaprasov, assuming he's here, that Bruce could be a key because he's a really good coach. But you bring up a really good point, too, which is are you getting unnecessary points? Like, I, I don't see any way, unless I'm just completely off my rocker here, which I might be, I don't see any way that this is a playoff team. And and I sent you a text during the course of the comeback against the Coyotes on yeah. Saturday night, and I said, why is Koivu taking every key face-off? I know he can win them. I don't care about that. I want somebody to be taking key face-offs who I'm curious about. Can you win it? Pressure, right? Like, this is a great time to learn. And your text back was exactly right. You're like, Bruce ain't going to do that no. for you, Judge. You're crazy. <laughs> yeah. and, you, and you were right about that. But this is where I'm on the fence about Okay, I get that. But if you're Garen, don't you need to go to Bruce and say, Bruce, we need to see the kids do this. We know what Miko can do. And if Miko gets mad, who cares? Who gives right. a damn at this point? That's where I'm I'm really on the fence of almost telling giving Bruce instructions to, hey, your job is safe, but on a key face off in the defensive zone, I want to see what a I want to see what Eck can do. Cause I don't care if you win this game, and you shouldn't either. This is not about winning. This is about discovery. And I get that. And I think as we go on in the season, I think we might see more young kids like Eck or Cunning be in the draw for that. But for right now, if Miko Koivu is on the tail end of his career and he's not really the player he used to be, I think you got to put him in situations where he is effective. And that is a late draw face-off. Yeah. That is actually any face-off, to be honest. And Bruce isn't going to, I don't think, tinker with that too much. And, you know, he's someone who tinkers with lines, especially in the third period when, when things are on, on the line, literally. And I, I'm not surprised that he would elect to go to Koivu and maybe even continue out there on, on a long skate for him because I, I think he knows that Miko is going to be able to win that draw to the best of their ability. And I don't think the Wilder are a very good face-off team either. So uh, I understand. And they were brutal in that game, yeah, too, and, to your point. You're and, right. They and, were off. And I understand that eventually Miko is going to be gone. And to be honest, it, it's very soon he could be gone. So you want well, you he want, can't be back next year, yeah, right? You, you, I, I don't think so. I think, he's, I think he's retired. I think he's done. I really think he's done. I know this game doesn't look like he's retiring yet, but I, I do think he's done. Um, I just don't see him playing outside of a, of a Minnesota uniform. But I'm not surprised that Bruce Boudreaux wanted him in the dot just to, to end that game. I think that is that is totally reasonable. But you see why I'm torn here, right? Yeah, I do. Because I do want to see what these kids can do. I'm much more curious about – because I don't, I don't think that this has to be a four-year rebuild. Like I think that this could turn around. I'm not sure. saying I'm not saying a year or two down the road you're a Stanley Cup team, but I do think that this feels like a very transitional year, right? They're not that good. I don't think they're a, a playoff team. They're going to win some games. It's hockey, of course you are, 
Uh, but this feels like an oppor- like a really golden op- opportunity, especially if Bruce is going to stay here, which I would keep him here. I think he's good yeah. um, to learn about players. And like everything they give Eck, Eck looks like he's progressing. So let's keep giving him things. Let's mm-hmm. keep let's keep up in that. You know, I know I know what Miko can do. I know what Zach can do. I know what Ryan can do. I'm not. I don't care about what they can do now. They are. They are. They're going to fall I, either into their places eventually here. You know, in, in the case of Parisi and Suter, because they're still going to be around. Or to your point about Miko, he's just gone. But. You got a really good opportunity here. It's almost like a like a gift from the hockey gods. It's like, okay, you could be fairly good again quickly, yeah. but here's an opportunity. Yeah. And and so this is this is where I struggle because I get your point and I don't disagree with your point, but I'm looking long term or or longer term and saying to myself, boy, you've got a really golden opportunity to observe things. And if if some of the kids can't do things and they're just completely lost, then you learn that. Correct. And, you know, I, I think uh, the Wild are in such an interesting position with these young kids and with the older core, their veterans. It's, it's literally split almost right down the middle of five or six guys on the younger side that you want to see take a next step. And then there's five guys who you already know who they are. They have no movement clauses. They're, they're going to be stuck here for a really long time. And, you know, I, I, actually, I, I get a complaint consistently from a loyal listener named Sam Irvin who loves to listen to the podcast. And he thinks Thank you, you and I are way too high on Erickson Eck and that we, we, we talk about him way too much and that he really doesn't do enough for you to warrant so much discussion. Okay. And for me, what I have clapped back as is I, I look at Eck and <laughs> I love someone clap back. Clap yeah, clap one. back. It's a very hockey phrase. And he's a solid two way player. He's not flashy. Yeah, you're right. He, I, I don't, I don't see him being a, a top three forward. Maybe one day he can be in a top six, but right now he's a sound responsible forward and not to compare the two, but Miko Koivu, when he came up, was awful. Really bad. Yeah. Not a good player. And he, and he took a while to transition. Sure. He developed his two-way game, turned into a very good hockey player. And I'm not saying Eck has the same trajectory or he's even really the same player as Miko can be on the ice. But you learned about him. But you learned about him. And, and Eck is someone who, of all the kids, I think has played the most consistent. And he's not going to do anything. I've yet to see anything that is so detrimental in his game where Ryan Donato is getting scratched or Fiala is getting scratched or someone's on the fourth line playing six minutes a night. Yep. I, I think Bruce and even Bill Guerin trust Joel Erickson Eck to be out there the most of those kids. And to me, that's encouraging. You're, you're seeing someone getting 15, 16 minutes a night. I think that's big for his development. Okay, speaking of. Kevin Fiala. Yes. The the good of this trip. Okay? Here we go. So far, the good. Kevin Fiala, three goals in the past four games, scored a greasy goal against uh, the Coyotes on Saturday. We have now seen why Kevin Fiala just needs to, to play. And Louie called this last Tuesday on this podcast. He's like, basically, European players are different. They need confidence. You can't bury them. You can't scratch you, them. You can't scratch them. And this is what you want. And by the way, have you looked at the statistics of one Mr. Niederreiter, Mr. Granlund, and Mr. Coyle? Well, I, I've seen let's Granlund's say, been a ghost. Let's say that Paul Fenton is looking other than other than the Nino trade because Victor Rask can't play hockey, and that's a very unfortunate thing. Paul Fenton's looking pretty damn smart because Charlie Coyle ain't exactly carrying the bees. And to your point, Granlin has been a ghost. The Fiala trade right now looks great. Yes. But this is why this kid never, unless he's hurt, never, ever ends up in the press box. 
I love what he's doing. He's doing exactly what you want. And by the way, he's going to make stupid defensive plays at times. And so is Matt Dumba. I'm not scratching him or Dumba. Well, let me throw this back at you. Do you think that scratch woke him up a little bit? Do you think the scratch? Because I mean, he. I think no. Bruce I even think it, s- no. I think no. Louis hit it. I think it's confidence. Okay. No, I think he got. Co- no, no. I think he got. Co- I think he scored against the Blues and bang, confidence. Right. No, I don't think scratching him helps him. Okay. No, no, no. I I think a North American kid, I'd scratch. Sure. But Kevin Fiala, too. You're not good enough to scratch him. Yeah. That's the thing is you can't you can't be you if you had guys who could score and you're like Fiala's not playing well and we're gonna send him a message. I'd be like, okay, I get that. But have you looked at the roster? Like you yeah. don't you don't have the ability, you don't have the hubris ability to of oh we're good. No, you're not. Kevin Fiala, but I so far this road trip, man, I love it. And Fiala, you know, and I, I did a breakdown. Me Matthew Cowher and I helped me out a little bit too. I can't give all my credit to myself. I'll just take it yourself. Don't give Cowher any credit. Okay. So a few weeks you ago. You did a breakdown. Yeah. A few weeks ago I did a breakdown on him for, uh, on, on scorenorth.com, a free website where you can find all of our wild takes, Judd's and mine, um, where Fiala in Nashville was playing on a very deep team, a very good Nashville team, a team that I picked to finish last in this division. Also, I wouldn't bring Arguably, it up anymore. It's okay. uh, it was, one of the silliest things I've ever done. That's, that's okay. lost on a long ago podcast. But he, uh, Kevin Fiala, was someone who was, I think, benefiting from playing on a very deep roster and playing just 13 minutes a night on a third line. And now he is traded here. If I'm just going to say it, he was essentially traded to replace Mikhail Granlund. Different players, but but replace Mikhail Granlund in the lineup. So he leaps Frog is into the top six, and you see the talent there. And it, it, I think he struggled a little bit, a because he was here for a week of training camp. He was in Europe through almost all of September, and now that he's getting his feet wet, you're starting to see the player he can be. Like you said, he's maddening a little bit. He'll turn the puck over, uh, but there was moments, even in the Arizona game. And I, I believe he popped one in in that one, but there was another one too where he could have had a he had a breakaway coming on in, and I said that's who he is. This is the Kevin Fiala we I I, I want to see every night. He's a guy who can go to the net and and has the talent in the offensive zone to be a, a twenty a consistent twenty goal score, maybe a thirty goal score. And you got to remember too, this kid's young. He's still only twenty three years old. He scored twenty goals just two years ago. He had that horrific injury in the postseason where he was stretchered off the ice, kind of similar to that Kevin Foster injury from the uh, Curtis, Curtis Foster, yeah, Curtis Foster sh- injury. His, his leg. leg was shattered. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think that look, it, it, I don't care how old you are, when you shatter your femur or you have a, yeah. a significant leg injury, especially in hockey, that's going to take a while. So, and then that's almost now two years ago. Maybe he's finally getting his le- legs literally underneath him again. Mm-hmm. And you're starting to see the player that he can be. I, I, I think it's maybe foolish to assume he can be a consistent 40 goal, uh, a 50, 60 point guy like Granlin was. But this is a guy who you want to see it can be an offensive player for you. He looks like, right now to me, a 20 to 25 goal guy. And if I can get that, I'm happy. And, and I am sick of talking about Granlin and what he, no, seriously, what he could be. Look. If if tomorrow the National Hockey League gets up to a podium and says we're going Olympic size ice oh. and we're going Olympic rules, then you know what? That's a terrible trade. But until then, I am so tired of talking about how we loved Granlund and how he could do all these. Yes, and in the Olympics he was phenomenal. But right now this looks like a good trade. Kevin Fiala looks like a North American player. Mm-hmm. Granlund has Granlund has had flashes of that, but. As far as scratching him, Kevin Fiala, I never want to see him a healthy scratch again. Why? Why? And why is it? Do you think that Granlin's struggling so much in Nashville, though? 
I don't know because I, I, I don't I, get I've it. not watched games, but I can say that it occurred to me that on a consistent basis, his his style of play because that Olympic games, and I think Sochi, he was so good. Yeah, um, his style of play just didn't translate here to this ice consistently. So like it, there were moments he was great, but. There, were, he just didn't with the smaller ice and what he liked to do. It just always seemed to me that that there there was an inconsistency there. Uh, as far as with the Preds, I don't know, but right now that does not look like a great trade for them. And I, th- and I they know, look great. and Bruce Boudreaux is a, probably a genius moving him out of center. I mean that. I mean he was a center under Yo yep. and under Torch, and he and I think Boudreaux realized like all right. You know, you can take a draw if we need you to take a draw, but let, let's move you to the wing. And look what happened. I mean, his well, game looked, erupted. You know, I think he's probably a great international center. Yeah, Because, again, you've got all the ice to move. Yeah, but you just don't have that here. Second positive from this trip, Matthew Dumba scores his second goal on a clapper, as the kids like to call it, against the Coyotes. That shot is Dumba. That's what yeah. you need. He can – don't ever be afraid to shoot. And, again, you're going to make bad defensive plays. You're Dumba. It's going to happen. But that offense and and that ability to basically, with that shot and that skill, create instant offense, Matt Dumba, that's who you are. Yeah, and I I don't think he's had as good as luck on the power play yet that – that we've expected him to be, and, and who would have thought Brad Hunt would be these, this power play whisperer for the Wild? Or still, even... I'd move him at the deadline, Oh, for man. sure. Man, for I sure. love that. He he is Ron Wilson. The North Stars got the, him from Europe. I believe they brought him over in March back when, when you could sign guys to short-term contracts. I think they did it twice. He's the same player. Right. Small defenseman, but a power play specialist. Yeah, and with Dumba, I, I think there was, there was a little bit of snake bit in there. I mean, he only had one goal in, the, in his first 15 games, and you know his shot is there, and you know what he can bring on the power play. And I, I'm, I was impressed and was encouraged that he finally got one because it was starting to get a little worrisome of, all right, what's, what's going on with Dumba here? He's playing 23 minutes a night. You know eventually he's going to score here. And uh, it, it was really good to see him pop one in because the, the Wild need him to be successful. And, 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 the, and he's a young player. He's a defenseman that, that scores at an elite rate. Yep. And, and you need that. You, you consistently need that. I don't think Dumba really can afford to have his scoring drop off because that's what he brings to the table the most most nights. So you really can't afford for him to go through another, to be honest, another 15, 20-game stretch where only pops in one. He's got to be a little bit more consistent. So hopefully that steamrolls something. But, but yeah, very encouraging that he actually got one in. And my final one, and this kid is not picking up points yet, but, man, has he been good on this trip specifically, Jordan Greenway. He's playing physical. He's playing strong. In fact, the uh, the the – Game-winning goal, which was a beautiful blind pass in Phoenix by Spurgeon to Hartman. Go back and watch that goal. And I don't think he got a point, but it's Jordan Greenway who's in front of Darcy Kemper creating a great screen, and I don't think Kemper saw uh, Hartman's shot. And that was, this is who he can be. And the points will come. I, I think the goals will come as well, Declan. But if Jordan Greenway plays this way, and plays a heavy, hard game, and goes to the net consistently, and sets up screen, and if he does that, he'll eventually score some rebound goals, obviously, this would be a huge benefit. And do you think, does he really even need to be a guy who puts in 40 or or 15 goals in a a season? Do you think he needs to be that guy? I think the way he's playing now is the guy he needs to to be, and if he gets the goals and they come, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. But what he's doing now is, is, this is what you need consistently. How many guys... Charlie Coyle, have we talked about, like, if he plays big, it's going to be great. 
And then at some point in time, you're like, okay, I see you play big once out of every 15 games. But I, I think on this entire trip, Jordan Greenway has played big. He's played up to his size, and he's hit guys. So if he scores, fantastic. If he creates screens and creates problems and hits guys, that's fantastic. And I think with Greenway, I think the – and Greenway versus Coyle specifically, the perception was you saw an offensive ceiling of Coyle that you wanted him to break. You saw a glass ceiling that you wanted him to break. Yep. And I think maybe us as fans and us as media members and people who watch him all the time, we saw – we were teased by that, so we wanted to do it all the time. Where with Jordan, I, I think instead of having this offensive glass ceiling like we had with Charlie, if he can just be a big body and a guy who – sets things up for his teammates and gets in front of the net. We don't have to expect him to be a 50-point guy and expect him to be this Charlie Coyle. When are you going to break through with this size and this speed? Mm -hmm. Instead, if we just give him the space to be, hey, you're big, go in front of the net, hey, you're big, lay out a check, I think that makes also the perception of him a lot different than what it was with Charlie Coyle. That's fine, too. That's fine. What what I want, though, is I want this every night. I want that style because that's a tough style to play, man. You get beat up. It it probably hurts a lot. But that's what you need. He's a big body. He's got skill. He can move people. And he, he can certainly create screens. But those are the things. The To me, the coil comparison was the frustration of Charlie taking 14 games off and deciding that he, he was going to try to be a finesse player, right? right? Right. You know, Jordan Greenway needs to be. The thing about him is is this. If he's playing well, he might not be picking up points, but you always notice him. Yeah. Like you notice the shifts. You're like, oh, that was a nice hit. Oh, that's a great screen. That's oh, what he I'm, just. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. So, so I just want the Wild to consistently have a guy who's like, okay, my role is really, really tough. Yeah. And, and it's physically tough and taxing, but it's my role. And if I get goals, if I get greasy goals, that's great. That's fantastic. But if I don't, I'm doing things like taking cross checks in front of the net, right? Going into corners, digging out pucks. This kid's got skill, this kid's got talent. And it, it seemed like a year ago there were certain games or lots of games where you didn't see him applying this, and now he does. The bad of the road trip so far. Let me start with this one. And I, this guy, I don't understand what's going on here. It's almost like they, they've decided they don't like him already, which is surprising from how, how good he started after being traded here from Boston. But then I think we've talked about this before. In the last seven or eight games of last season, I think he had one assist. So he tailed off there. But the bad to me, I'd like to start with Ryan Donato's playing time, Declan. The playing time, not the as playing time. his play. No, no, his playing time, because I can't tell. Right. Um, in Phoenix, he played 805. In San Jose, 751. Against the Ducks, 919. Uh, he has not played as many as 10 minutes in a game since the Wild beat the Kings back on what would have been the 26th of October. He played 1025 in, in that game. Since then, his playing time has been 659, 727, 919, 751, 805. Yeah. I, do they not like him? And my second part would be, again, I don't think you can afford at this stage to decide playing time is going to be of, you know, you're just not that good. Find out. Find right. out. You've got a chance to find out. And you know what? Again, if that means, I mean, is Zach Prezi playing that well right now? I don't think so. If that means it comes at some of Zach's playing time, guess who doesn't care? Judd. Judd doesn't care. I want to see Ryan Donato play. Yeah. Find and, out what you have. And I, I'm in a tough spot with him because uh, he's a bubble player to me of who you keep long term. And 
it's because I don't really, I haven't been able to see enough of him. He started the season in a top six role. And even he got moved up that top line in that Colorado game, the one of the first time they played the Avalanche. And he had a really bad game and, and was kind of responsible for Colorado coming back in that third period. But you need to see this guy and you need to give this guy's shot more time than five minutes a night. Um, if that means even juggling lines, if that means, you know, like, yeah, Ryan, you're going to start on the fourth line tonight, but if we see a situation where we want to put you in to be successful, we're going to do that. And I have a hard time passing on a guy who has a shot that good. So that's what concerns me. Yeah, he might, he might not be that great of a two-way player, right. but I have a really tough time, especially on this team, be different if there was a bunch of shooters on this team, and I said, okay, I don't care if he shoots the puck five times a game and only one of them goes in. You know, I don't care. But I, I need to see more of, of this shot, and I, I worry that once you part ways with him and you give him 14, 15 minutes a night, those shots start translating into goals. And when he got here, there was something there. Oh, yeah. There's so there, there is something there. Now, in the past 10 games, he's got two points. He scored a goal uh, against the Sharks, and that's his only goal of the season so far. So I get the problem here, but, but you have an opportunity to, to say, and and you know what, if you decide he's not any good, then you decide he's not any good, but let's not, let's not act like he is draining a good team. Right. Like we can't play him because we're no, you're not, you're not that good. You've got the chance here. So if they play him a lot and he's not any good, then you say, you know what? Bad trade. We shouldn't have traded coil for him. That's too bad. But if you play him a lot, and what you just said happens, and he starts to shoot more because he's got that shot, and, and we know he's got abilities, then, hey, you've got something. Yeah, It's just, it would make complete sense to me to not be playing him much if you were good. And even going back to Zach, and obviously Zach is a very responsible player and, and, and does a lot of things that go unnoticed in a box score, but... Just the last nine games for Zach Parise before this Kings game tonight, he's getting 17 minutes a night, so he's out there a ton. Yeah, it's too much. And he has one goal. Yeah, he's not playing that well. So negative uh, four on the ice as well, too. So he isn't playing very well either. And, again, I, it, it's a hard sell to tell me put put Zach Parise on a fourth line and move up Ryan Donato. But my, my point is put Donato then in a situation where he can be successful. Don't just give him his – like. For me, I don't want to just give him, give Parise's a spot to ride it out. Oh no, I wasn't saying that. I'm just sure. saying I'm saying there are times certainly where where Zach doesn't have to play that much. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, no, I'm not I'm not saying bump Ryan above Zach. What I would like is are there times where you could play Ryan to find out? Mm-hmm. Like Zach, you know what Zach can do. It doesn't. Again, there never the conversation needs to be we need to find out, not how can we beat the Coyotes? How can we rally <laughs> yeah. from two? You're consistently falling behind mostly of late, not good teams, and then you rally. Okay, that doesn't help you. That doesn't help. You're not a playoff team. So you're, okay, so what are you seeing? Nothing. You're seeing, oh, wow, we're the furious rallies. You've been that, when you were good, you were that. Yeah. This is about changing, I feel like P.J. Fleck here. This is about changing the culture. Yeah. This is about changing the, this is about how do you change the culture of this team and changing the culture. What they have done on this trip is what they did for how long, Declan? For how many years? Years. years. It doesn't help Five, them. It doesn't. It gives you. They were good. They made the playoffs. Then guess how many rounds they won? Ordinarily zero. Yeah. So I I want to change everything about how this team thinks and does things. And to do that, I need to find out what Kevin Fiala, what Jordan Greenway, what Donato, 
And again, if you decide at the end of this season or some point in time that Donato stinks at hockey, okay, make that decision. But at least you've given him an opportunity to prove he really stinks at hockey. Yeah. And you're not trying to limit him and then blah, blah, blah. Um, the last bad thing, your thoughts on the goaltending so far? It's been pretty bad. Uh, it's been awful. And I know I, I've, we've both been advocating for – Alex Stalock to play a little more this season. We knew that going into the year, and with Dubnik getting hurt and being an effective, Alex got that opportunity. I don't think Stalock um, is the goalie you want out there for 50 games or so, but on a rebuilding team, you can totally get by with what he is, what he's supposed to give you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's been moments, especially I, I know in the San Jose game, he was bad. I mean, he was awful in that San Jose game, and, and that San Jose's got... That San Jose Sharks team is loaded with offensive firepower, but he was not very good. Um, I, I think this is essentially what you're going to have to start seeing as a rotation. I think 50-50 is the split. No one and really deserves. Dubnik, the first two periods against the Coyotes also was not good. Mm-hmm. Now, third period, he was much better, but yeah, you're right. I think we're now at the point where it's it's a 50-50 split, and it's a reward system. There, there no longer is Devin Dubnik the guy that just gets the next game if he allows four goals. That's I think that era of Devin Dubnik is done. And even though Alex Stalock... Um, which impressed me that that Boudreaux gave him back-to-back starts, uh, that second one being the Sharks game. That did surprise me because that, that's never happened in the Dubnik era. Yep. I mean, it really hasn't. A backup goalie gets back-to-back starts with, with Dubnik healthy. Yep. That's never happened before. Yep. So that, that did surprise me. But I think at this point, you're at a 50-50 split. And the defense, too, I don't think has been as good as it should be. The, 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 the heartbeat of this team is its defense. Uh, they're blue liners, and they haven't been very good either. So I don't think um, all the blame goes right on goaltending, but it certainly has to be better. Uh, they, they they just they aren't very good. So what what do you do? Because I, I don't disagree with your point. What do you do to? Because Stalock should play more, but I also w- want to get Dubnik up to a point where come the deadline I can trade him because he's got teams he can be traded to. So I want to I want to keep him. I think you're right. I think if you Continue to play him quite a bit, but he's not the full-time guy. Because if he does play too much, he gets worn down, and, and he gets worse and worse. Because to me, the ideal w- would be to play him, get his value to a point where a contender says, hey, I, we could use him. He can help us. Yeah. Deal him off. Bring up the kid from Iowa. Well, even Matt Robson's playing very well. Okay, that's goalkeeper. fine. He's but my point well is well. you've got options there. Yes, it's, you not, do. it's not like you need a great goaltender yeah, yes, here. Yeah, correct. That is correct. So I, I want to keep Dubnik's value as high as possible, but I think your point's a good one because if you play him too much, he completely folds yeah. and goes in the tank. He doesn't he's a weird dude because he doesn't like not to play. Like he I think he takes it personally. Yep. But again, I don't really care about that. And and it's not like if I say, okay, Devin, I'm going to give you the next 20 games, he's going to be good in 20 games. He will be good in, he might be good in five of those in game six right. and letting some goofy bleeping <laughs> goal. What is up with trash-talking Darcy Kemper with the, the Coyotes goalie, who, by the way, has been for like the last, what, February of last year, January of last year? Oh, he's been, been magnificent. Been dynamite, yeah. And, and off of that, why why does Miko Koivu still at this age need to get mad to play well? It's almost Angry as if Miko mad is yes, something, yeah. But people joke about it on Twitter, yep. but I don't think they're necessarily wrong. When Miko has an edge, Miko 
Why don't you play with an edge constantly, man? Right, I know. I and and he's someone when you get him fired up, he his, his game turns on. I, I I have no reason for that. But with the Kemper thing, yep. I I am puzzled by it because I know Kemper was a bit of a head case as a goaltender when he was here in Minnesota. I think that's pretty evident. Um, he got into his he had all the talent to be a very good goalie. And also, this guy started some playoff games and won you some playoff games when you did go to the second round against the Blackhawks. I mean, he he had some playoff experience. He had moments, but that trash talk to me tells me that either the way Kemper exited was sour grapes. Whether whether Kemper voiced his frustration that to the last players. year was weird. Yeah, he wasn't good in that last year. They didn't want to play him anymore. So Bruce, so, in fact, Bruce said post game. After the Coyotes win, he said something along the lines of we could have handled him better or we yeah. could have done more so for him. So was it Darcy being upset with the way he was used in Minnesota? Was it Bruce not using him enough? Was it bad juju in the locker room, which is, which is what something I'm, like to, I'm, I'm inclined to think it was what it was? I, am, I was perplexed by that because it was all three of them. Zucker, was Koi, he ripping all... the current state of wild goaltending and saying he could have helped them? Because, you know, Darcy Kemper's statistics He's been awesome. since he went to the Coyotes would certainly be indicative of a goaltender who could have helped the Minnesota yeah, Wild. Yeah, so I-, I was perplexed by that. And I think there is something in the pudding there between the wild players talking trash to Kemper because I don't think that's just uh, – that was a coincidence. I, I think that's built up frustration after the departure. Something must have happened in that locker room between Kemper and those guys. And I, I would love to know what it it's is. It's weird, though, because Koivu wouldn't talk about it. Zucker said, oh, we're all buddies. We're, I'm good friends with him. Uh, it, was very, it was very odd. And Bruce's comment, though, leads me to believe. I've, here's the one thing I've always been curious about. You think deep in his heart of hearts, Bruce wants to play Doomnik as much as Bruce has played him? I've always wondered, and it was heart of hearts, probably not, but in his brain, he knows he had to. He that, had to exactly had to. right. Well, and I do think Dubnik's the type of guy who, if he doesn't play, you know, and this is not a slight on Dubnik because a lot of people, quarterbacks, goaltenders, are like this. Um, but there have to have been times where he, he thought, where Bruce thought to himself, "Yeah, you know, I wouldn't mind playing somebody else t- uh, tonight." Which is, you know, what the, the fact. To, back to your point, the fact that he started Staylock in, in the back-to-back games on this road trip says a lot, and I'm sure Devin was not pleased. It was the right call. Uh, but, yeah, it was just the Miko thing has always amazed me that why Miko needs to get mad. It's like, dude, you should always play mad. Yeah. This is your job. This is your, your, your captain. When you play mad, you strike me as a captain. Like, this is what you want from, to see from a captain, For right? For sure, 100%. All right, it's that time of the show. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is it Kaprizov time? It's the Krill Kaprizov update. How uh, is the wild star player doing in Russia? Putin's star pupil is uh, is is back. He, uh, that he, sounds like a band. Putin's star pupil. Putin's star pupil sounds like a band. I, That's a I'm, really good band, Russian band. Hey, I'm telling Craig and Bill, get him. I, Putin deserves a suite at every game, and I'm not even a big Russia guy, but if that's what it takes to get this guy over here, I will is Trump with him? try to make it happen. Is Trump in the suite, too? I, I, if that is the selling point, too, we might have a different conversation, but if but if it brings him over here, I'm, I'm, I will, hockey I will player. listen. You're a hockey greatest. player. Fantastic hockey player. Oh, man. I like this kid. He's good. Um, but he, he did go through a two-week stretch where he was injured. Uh, from the 19th through the 31st, the end of October, he uh, was dealing with a little lower body injury. He came back, uh, has since played in three games as of recording this, a uh, couple assists and a goal. So kind of back to where he was. No. 
Russia lower admitting bo- something lower body something to us lower Hilarious. body upper body they said lower mid body bo- mid body they said lower body okay and I wasn't too concerned with the injury just because it he's not coming over here for another ten months so right like I'm not saying go tear ACL tomorrow but if it's something significant there's plenty of time to get him healthy and get right. him over here but he, he's playing very well he's a point for game player this is this is the guy to watch and I do think there is plenty to plenty reason to think this time for sure he's coming over. Yeah, and I if really he does, so. it changes the dynamic. It changes everything. But could you imagine if you have him and Fiala on the second line scoring, let's say, 25 goals a season? Now you got goal scorers. Correct. Now you got guys that can actually put the puck in the net, which is what this team is. How long has this team been trying to find that forever? Right. They're hard to find. And uh, if, if like like we were talking about earlier in the podcast, this can be a quick turnaround if, yes. if things go right. If you get Capras off over here, if you hit on your draft pick, which I hope is a top five pick. I know I, I originally said I want it to be number one overall. I think that now that's just that's tough to do. And also Minnesota sports, right. we're not going to get rewarded for it. Um, so, oh, poor. What was you? You got a number seven so football team in the country. I'm hoping um, St. Cloud State's not ranked get number seven in the country. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, but I, I do think the Wild are putting in it, themselves in a good position to get a top five pick. And if they hit on that pick, and and I know draft picks in the NHL, just like in baseball, can take a little while. But sometimes those top guys can come over here and, and be successful. That transitions to a new segment that, that we're right. going to do on a weekly basis on Judd's Hockey Show. And that's going to be called Declan's Draft Pick of the Week. So when you talk about a top five pick, yeah, each week... You're going to pick out a player who could be that guy. That is correct. Starting at five, correct? Starting at five. Okay, so starting at five, who is Declan's draft pick of the week who could end up as a member of the Minnesota Wild in 2021? So this is uh, according to tankathon.com. I'm using those geniuses because if you have time on your hands to research NHL prospects and watch YouTube and do all that, I... I don't know how oh, you steal. live your life. Steal and I, I, steal away. Baby. Yeah, I, I'm not doing that. I'm sorry. In 2019, if, if there's no once, pride. Maybe once you get to the draft, and even once the oh, lottery's we'll announced, different, yeah. different different circumstance. You Absolutely. Know? Uh, but today's profile is the number five prospect on the Tankathon big board. Cole Perfetti, I believe is how you pronounce it. Perfetti. P-E-R-F-E-T-T-I. Cole okay. Perfetti. All right. He is a center. He's in the OHL right now. Uh, 74 points in 63 games, 37 goals, 37 assists. Um, it's hard to assume that this guy would automatically translate. The OHL is a scoring league. He's a young kid. Um, he's, he's, he is only, he's not even 18 years old yet. He doesn't turn 18 till January 1st, but this is the first of, of these guys that you want to look at if you're in the wild. Height and weight is a five ten, a buck 85. Oh, it's small. It's very small. But, but at 17, a buck 85. That turns the two twenty, two two hundred pounds. I should say. Let's just call it two hundred pounds. Okay. Uh, in a couple of years, two twenty. Two twenty would be pretty impressive. Two forty five. That's he'll, Vince he'll, McMahon's calling. If well, he gets actually, you know what? At that age, growth spurt and play too. Correct. I you could I, have did, a I grew in college. Uh, I was tiny, so I you, you if I could grow in college, you yeah, can grow I'm not in college. Talking about a beer Cole. gut, dude. I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm what, talking about. What, going you think up. Saint Cloud State has beer guts? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, but yeah, Cole Perfetti is today's mock draft prospect of the week. I take it he's fast. I think he's it must be pretty fast. Right now the Wild have the third pick, uh, uh third worst odds to get the number 1 pick in the lottery or third best odds I should say. I'm sorry. So, uh, right now the Kings, Red Wings, Wild and then Senators have two first round picks. It's going to be a if they beat the Kings Ugh. on Tuesday night as we're recording this on Tuesday morning, if they beat the Kings it's going to be a bad win. Right. You know, that's what I was sort of I got to be totally forthcoming here. Did you really have to rally against the Ducks and Coyotes? Like, one of the rallies is fine. 
Thank God Zach didn't lift that puck against the Sharks. Oh. Can you imagine if they got a point from a game that they were down 6-2? to two? Do you know <laughs> how in, – in fact, in fact, we should do this. Okay. We should track um, and, and talk about this in April – Awful points. Oh yeah, the the like the point like the point game. Play the point game. Kind of like the opposite of a Viking schedule. When you look back at the Bills game, you're like, that's what cost you the playoffs. Yes, but in the opposite, what cost you the, the potential places as far as the uh, lottery situation went? Because if you think about it, we're going to look back and say, really, did you really have to get four points against yeah. the Ducks and Coyotes? Couldn't you have gotten two points and lost? And what, you know, when what the hell, Arizona? You're supposed to be good. Yeah. They co- they by the way they went to sleep. Arizona went to sleep. Yeah, they were just they great. said to themselves, "Ah, it's the wild, we're fine." All right, let's finish this up with a new segment, very exciting. I'm calling it cuz this is original as hell, a hat trick of questions. Yeah, I love Th- this. Three National Hockey League related questions, and I will start you Declan Goff with this one. What team should try and trade for Devils left winger Taylor Hall because it's looking more and more like he's going to leave New Jersey at the end of this season right now that would mean as a free agent there is no way that they can do what uh, the Islanders did with John Tavares which is get nothing for a star player because of hope Hall is making it I think pretty pretty clear that unless the Devils come up with a just an absolutely crazy contract offer he is going to test the market what team would you most like to see at the February deadline Taylor Hall land with for at least a short-term Help for a contender. You know who I would be very intrigued by? Who? Edmonton. A reunion in seen Edmonton. Yeah, I've seen that thrown out there. Uh, I, I think that'd be fun as heck, man. Edmonton's off to another really good start. Or is finally off to a good start this year. Um, they have 26 points. I wouldn't be surprised at all if there's a reunion in Edmonton. I think that'd be great. Him going back and playing with McDavid and R&H and Dreisaitl. I, I don't know what Connor's the trade would be. But... against the Ducks a couple nights ago? Yes. Kid's unbelievable. Where he fell to one knee, yes. got up. I don't He's know. better on one knee than any wild player is on two. Not even close. Not even close. Edmonton is interesting. Yeah. And one of the worst trades, man. How does Peter Chiarelli, uh, to this day, Taylor Hall for what, Adam Larson, right? The yeah. defenseman. For yeah. the, how the hell awful. do you make that trade? Awful, awful. And I thought, you know, I thought this Devils team could be potentially fun to watch. I didn't think they'd be a, a force with, but I thought they had enough fun players in their team, like Taylor Hall and Jack Hughes and even Wayne Simmons. I thought they'd be at least a fun, competent team to watch. And, and they're in the tank. They're, they're 14 points in, in the bottom of the Metropolitan. I've got one for you. Okay. Same conference, different team. All right. A team right now that's got a couple of key guys injured, but they are still very good, and they have a guy who is a pretty good hockey player named Nathan McKinnon. Colorado. Colorado Avalanche. I thought about it. And Taylor Hall. Oof. Taylor Hall, oh. short term there. That's a Stanley Cup contender. Yeah, it is. It and, is. And Taylor Hall, can you imagine if Rantanen comes back? Landeskog comes back, McKinnon which I think that they, those, I think oh. they'll both be back eventually here yeah. for sure. Uh, McKinnon, who is a marvelous player, and you say, "Boys, I'm going to plop into your locker room, Taylor Hall." That would that because they're fun to watch already. Yes, Can are. you imagine them with Taylor Hall? Yeah, I, I, it would be great for them. I think it'd be awesome. All right, question number two on the hat trick of questions because we like to be original here at Judd's Hockey Show, Declan Goff. What National Hockey League coach gets fired first? We thought we knew the answer to this question. I thought question. it'd be Monty. Just a few weeks ago. I did. When his team went in the tank against the Wild, yeah. but the Wild went in the tank against his team. Yeah, I, I was really thinking that he was going to be fired that game. I really thought that, that, would, be, that would be it because uh, you, just, you can't have a team that good and not come through with, uh, with what's going on there. You know who's 
this one might be surprising a little bit, but I, I, I do think it's it's valid. John Cooper in Tampa. Really? I think I, I yes. See, I, I love what Tampa is doing now too. Here's what I'm, drives me nuts. I'm, I'm very curious. Can I give you this one? What yes. drives me crazy? Yes. What Washington is doing. Oh, they're unbelievable. They got all these points. They're going. They're running away. I, I hate that. Yeah. It's the regular season. Right. When Tampa Bay did that last year, unbelievable year, right? Yeah. Hockey fan Judd thinks to himself, oh, no. Oh, this is not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Because you're expending all this energy. I, I think if I owned or coached a, a team day one of training camp, I would say, if you idiots win the President's Trophy, you're all fined. <laughs> I don't want the stupid President's Trophy. John Cooper, though, that's interesting. I, I have heard his name mentioned in those discussions. It's hard. It's hard for me to believe that the uh, the uh, Lightning would pull the plug on him. You know, and and I think uh, if they continue to be middling or worse throughout the rest of 2019 here into the new year, then I think that the, a change will be made. I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't really? Be shocked at all. Interesting. So that's why I, I go with that. I'm going to, to go Write with what down. I think is probably an obvious one right now, and that is Peter DeBoer and San Jose. San Jose is too good to be this bad. And they are, I mean, my God, you're up 6-2 yeah. at home on the wild, and they come back, and they DeBoer's... are near the bottom of the Pacific Division. Right, right. Really? And P- Peter DeBoer, to me, looks like Eeyore be- behind the bench. <laughs> he always looks defeated behind the bench. Hey, birds. I just don't know what we're going to do. Yeah. Well, you're Martin Jones, too, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, how does a team that good have Martin Jones play? Uh... Martin Jones is, has Martin Jones not proven enough that he can be a disaster for them to say, oh, you know what, we yeah. probably are going to move on from you? See you later, dude. But Peter DeBoer, I don't – the Sharks are too good to be this bad. Yeah. And they seem to me like a jumpstart team. Make a change here. Get a spark. And I'm not trying to imply that they could be the Blues because I don't know that. Right. Um, but I do think that they could be a playoff team or should be. And right now they don't look like one. Uh, f- final question before we uh, wrap things up here on Judd's Hockey Show, Declan. What? Um, give me your three favorite National Hockey League teams that should be actively working on the tank and, right and now. And can I include the Wild? Can I include the Wild? Absolutely. Okay, so Wild are just number one on there because I, I watch them the most. I would like to see Detroit get back. I like Detroit. When Detroit's playing good hockey, it's I think it's good for the league. And and, and they had a great 25-year run, I get that. You're probably sick of hearing hearing about them. But I, I like watching Detroit Red Wings hockey. Stevie Wise, good. I love Dylan Larkin, one of my favorite players. I would like to see Detroit turn it around a little quickly. Like L.A., I don't care about L.A. anymore. Like they, I, I don't so the care Red about Wings the should tank, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the Kings, I don't I care about the I think the Red Wings are tanking. Yeah. So I like what they're doing. Brilliantly. And then the third team would be the Devils just because I, I really liked what – I'm a big Jack Hughes guy. That team is not very good. Um, it's going to take a little longer to get, to get relevant again, and that's another proud franchise. I would like to see the Devils tank. So the Wild, the Red Wings, and the Devils. Okay, I've got Minnesota, Detroit, which I think is tanking, and it's very smart. And they're doing it right. And then my third team is, although you don't care about them, the Kings. You do, okay. The Kings are tanking. The Kings should be. But the only thing is – Trade quick. Yeah. Trade just Jonathan quick to a contender. Strip it down. Trade him to a contender. Stop. I mean, he's still too good, um, but just trade him. So my three teams are Minnesota, Detroit, LA Kings. Nice. I, like I think it. we're done here, sir. We are, sir. Our work is done. Uh, Judd's Hockey Show. In fact, we'll be back with a uh, Friday, probably, correct? Correct, yeah. A, a uh, what's the one-timer. 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 One-timer, quick which episode. you can find, which you can find at scorenorth.com. Apple, the, Spotify, wherever you find your podcast, five-star rating. 
would be would be great please uh, all right and then we'll be back of course next tuesday with another episode a full-length episode of judd's hockey show thanks for listening state of hockey go well venture x from capital one is the travel card for people always asking where next you earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through capital one travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with venture x Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.